Okay, Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 22. The Bible said, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him and said, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What ma manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Let us pray. Our Father, as I bow before you, I thank you for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, for another privilege to preach. And Lord, I realize, unless you help me tonight, that I'll be uh, certainly a failure. And Oh, God, how we need you tonight. And I just want to honor you and please you. And I pray that you would give me wisdom and power. And may I just be a vessel that you would fill and you would be honored to bless. Oh, God, meet with us. Show us thy truth. Speak through me the words that you'd have heard tonight. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about uh, God's wonderful care, and uh, we looked at Luke 15 uh, in that, the first part of this message, and uh, that God is a God that pardons, uh, and we saw that illustrated by, of course, the lost sheep, uh, the lost coin, and the lost son. And then we also looked in Luke chapter 12 uh, how that God provides and uh, how he uses illustration of sparrows there. Five sparrows were sold for two farthing. Matthew 10 said that two sparrows were sold for one farthing, which would be a half a cent. And if you bought uh, 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 four for two farthings, then you got the fifth one free. And it shows that the sparrows were not very valuable. And yet, uh, not one of them fell to the ground without the Father. And how God cares and provides, <coughs> excuse me, for, for His children. And tonight, I want us to look further uh, at the protection of the Lord. And we see that illustrated in the story here of Jesus calming the storm. Uh, I guess my favorite account is in Mark chapter 4 that tells the same story. It's also given in Matthew chapter 8. And, uh, you know, as we read this, of course, we're looking at it in, in, uh, from the point of view of history. Now, if you'd have been in the boat, <laughs> you know, if we'd have been in the boat, we probably would have reacted uh, similarly to what the disciples reacted. But the Lord said there, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Now I want to ask you tonight, is there anything that could have prevented that? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Uh, when Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake, <laughs> you're going to get to the other side of the lake. And uh, there may be some storms along the way. Of course, as far as you and I are concerned, the Lord has promised us heaven. He's promised us eternal life. And no doubt there's going to be some storms between here and there, but we're going to get there. Uh, there's nothing going to stop that. Well, uh, Jesus goes to sleep. He was God, yet he was human. 
Uh, he, he got hungry, he got thirsty, he got sleepy, and uh, we have the humanity come out there. And he's asleep, and this storm is going on. Uh, you know, uh, kind of reminds me when I was younger. I'm not that, that uh, sound a sleeper now, but, uh, you know, uh, back when I was younger, I may could have slept through a storm. Uh, but here the Lord, of course, he knew what was going on. And he's asleep in the boat. And he, he have Mark's account. They awake him and, and says, Carest thou not that we perish? Uh, Lord, don't you realize that, uh, you know, we're going down. And, and it says that the ship was full of water. And I don't know a whole lot about uh, boating and, and shipping, but, but I think I know enough to know that when a, when, a, when, a, when a ship or a boat is full of water, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> You're going down. And I think they realized that, that uh, they looked like the ship was going down, but the ship did not sink. And that's an amazing thing. And the Lord, of course, rebukes the storm, and the Bible said there was a great calm. Well, they marvel. You know, they, uh, they are overwhelmed that, uh, at this miracle. Who would not have been? I, I'm overwhelmed by reading it. Uh, I've never seen that happen, have you? Uh, you know, some of these, uh, these that claim to have, uh, have the power of the apostles, I'd like to take them out, out to a storm and see if they can calm it. Uh, Jesus was God. Of course, he was the creator. Uh, he created the sea. He created the wind. He created the storm. He created it all. He could control it. The Bible says, by him do all things consist. So he was able to control the wind, and there was a great calm. The storm ceased immediately. And it was a great miracle. It is an illustration of God's wonderful protection. That as we journey this journey of life, and as we sail on our way to the city of God, that there's going to be some troubles and some storms and some trials to go through. But just remember, as the Lord was in their ship, He's in our ship. He's promised. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. All right, isn't that wonderful? I'll be with you all the way, even to the end of the world. And uh, uh, we, we may not sometimes be aware of his presence, but he is ever-present, and he is there with us. He lives in us. He said, I'll not leave you comfortless. That word comforter there uh, means one called alongside the help. And as the psalmist said, he's a very present help in time of trouble. So we have someone uh, to protect us and see us through the storms of life. And that's a wonderful truth we have here. There are many illustrations of this. Of course, in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph and God's hand upon him as brothers hated him, threw him in the pit, sold him into slavery, and uh, how he was lied on by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison, and, and all that. We see God's wonderful hand in protecting and caring uh, for, for Joseph because God had a plan and, and how the Lord took care of him and fulfilled his plan. And I like the story, of course, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, I, I read that and, I, and uh, I, maybe some of you have the answer. I've never been able to figure it out uh, why that uh, uh, they, they are, are known primarily by the names that they were given in Babylon. It wasn't their Hebrew name. It was their names were changed. And yet Daniel, he was given another name, but Daniel's name remains. He retains his Hebrew name. 
Maybe some of you know the answer to that. Uh, that that's uh, be interesting to, to know. I don't I don't know why I don't know why that is, but that's that's what we read about in the Bible and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I used to think that meant that was to bed we go, uh, but uh, uh, the, the that story of, of those three boys and and you know the story how Nebuchadnezzar made this great image of gold and and uh, it's a type of the Antichrist if you if you study that out and. And it was 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and they were to fall down when six instruments of music were played. There you have, 666. And I think the devil is using and will use music in these last days. But uh, uh, they all fell down, worshipped the golden image. Uh, And of course, I believe that image was constructed in response when when he had that vision of that image and it was a head of gold and uh, arms and, and, and all of silver and, and then the brass and the iron and the, and the, the clay. And it was all, uh, of course, uh, Daniel said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. So he makes an image all of gold and tries to unify the religions of the world showing that, uh, that my empire is going to last forever. But God's in control of this thing, not Nebuchadnezzar or anyone else. God's ultimately in control. But those three Hebrews, they would not bow. They would not bend. They would not burn. And they refused to bow. And uh, the word gets to Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, he flies into a rage and, and calls them before him. And, and uh, he can't believe what he's heard. And, and uh, he says, you, you have another opportunity to fall down and worship this image. And if you don't, you'll be cast in alive into the fiery furnace. And I like what they said. They said, if it be so, our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace from thy hand, but just in case he doesn't do it, we're not worshiping your image. (laughs) Where God delivers us, where God doesn't deliver us. You know, I admire that. And uh, uh, that, uh, that people did serve God through the storms, through the trials, through the hard times. They just keep on consistently serving God through it all. And that's what God's looking for. And uh, you know that, of course, that great miracle and how the Lord walked with them. And they, they throw them in and the fire is so hot that it consumes those that throw them in. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, did not we throw three men in? <laughs> I see four, loose. And the fourth is like the Son of God. Uh, well, I think the Lord was in there with him, don't you? He thought he was one of the gods, but, uh, but it was the real, the true and living God in that fire uh, that delivered them. And uh, then the story of Daniel, of course, and his, uh, you know, his uh, uh, experience there with the lions. You know, I, heard it, I hear it referred to, and I've referred to it, I'm sure, uh, as the lion's den. But uh, it wasn't a lion's den, uh, it was the den of lions. You know, the Bible is, 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 is very accurate. Sometimes we, we misquote it and preachers get it mixed up, but, uh, but the Bible is very accurate. And you read it, read it, there you'll find it says the den of lions. It doesn't say a lion's den, you know, and unless uh, the Bible's changed since I read that last. Uh, it's the den of lions. I think I heard Mac Hodge preaching on that, and he said, he said, I wouldn't mind being a lion's den if the lions weren't there, <laughs> if they were home. But this was the den of lions. The lions were home, and they were there. And, of course, you know, the, the jealousy uh, caused this problem. And 
uh, there with Daniel and and he prayed faithfully to his God and, and uh, you know, those that work with him, they were jealous because uh, of, of his position and, and uh, they tried to find some way to get rid of him and f- something against him. And, and they said the only way we'll ever find anything against Daniel is something between him and his God. And they got this king to pass this law that couldn't be changed. That's kind of a foolish thing, wasn't it? Uh, but uh, to sign this decree, and, and he did, does, and pride causes him to do it. And Daniel, of course, he, he just does like always. He just keeps on praying like he'd always been praying. And he's thrown into the den of lions, but God is there with him in the den of lions, closes the lion's mouth, and, and takes care of his servant. He gives protection. Uh, and uh, it's a wonderful story. I can remember those these stories from, from childhood, and, and they're still a blessing. <laughs> they never get old. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Right. Kind of like a TV program. You know, you see a TV program once, it's not as interesting next time. After three or four times, you don't want to see it at all. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but the stories of the Bible, they never get old. And they're always fresh, and there's always new insight into these stories that maybe you didn't learn before. If you study them again, you learn something new. That's a unique thing about the Bible. That's why the Bible is such a wonderful book. Uh, You know, you read some other book and you go back and read it again. It's not as interesting the second time. Uh, But the Bible, you go back and read it again, you say, man, I didn't know that was there. I didn't see that. But it was there all the time. So we have protection. I want you to turn to Luke 21. Luke 21 and uh, verse... uh, 16. And he says, You shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolk and friends, and some of you shall have cause to be put to death. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish, and your patience possess you your souls. Now, of course, the history of God's people has been that. There's been persecution down through the history of, of Christianity. And he says you'll be hated. We're talking about Christ being formed in you. You know, when Christ is forming you, Jesus said they hated, they hated me and they'll hate you. If you're like Christ, they'll respond the same way to you as they did to him. But verse 18 is a verse I want you to see. There shall not an hair of your head perish. Now this shows God's wonderful care. We looked at that before uh, where he said even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And God said not even a hair will perish. Now that shows great protection, doesn't it? Right. I mean, I can't even keep up with mine, you know. Some of them's gone. I don't know where they're at. <laughs> but the Lord knows. <laughs> uh, you know, if you ever thought about that? You know, I, I never thought about it to right now. Will your hair be resurrected? I don't know. That's kind of, maybe that's silly to think about. I don't know. But, uh, the, Lord, the Lord knows where every part is, doesn't he? He knows, he knows where everything. He knows, you know, a person may be blown up or, or uh, buried at sea or whatever and consumed by fish, and, but God knows where every part's at. Right. And he will have no problem getting everything together. Uh, he gives us protection. There shall not a hair of your head perish. And that, that just simply tells me of God's care. And, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just like your hair. You, you comb your hair and there's, there's some in the comb or some 
uh, you know, laying here or there, and you say, oh, my, I've got to get those together, and uh, there's ten hairs, and, and I've got to put, the, you know, get, put them up and put them in a plastic bag and save them. I've got to, got, to be, got to be careful about all. Well, we, we don't even think about it, do we? We don't even, we don't even give it a thought. I mean, just get them out of the comb and throw them in, you know, the toilet or in the waste can or whatever and, and go about your business and think nothing about it. But he said, there shall not a hair of your head perish. We're not, we're not that concerned, are we? But the Lord is, is concerned about, with that much detail of our life. You know, we can, we can trust Him, can't we? We can trust Him. God, I, I've used this illustration, and I wish I had a new one, but it comes to mind right now about God's protection. And years ago, we, uh, and I was a pastor, made it, we went to revival up in the mountains and come in back that night. We stopped a little dairy bar there and, and to get something to eat and, and uh, uh, got ready to leave and, and uh, had a box throw the trash in. And, and the fellow, his counselor's brother's driving, and, and he started to pull the bus out. And the fellow said, wait a minute, uh, let's throw this trash away. And so he stopped and he got off of the trash away. And, and while he was doing that, there was a car came around the curve. Is that in Spruce Pine? Came around the curve, run up on the bank, back across the road, off the other side of the road. And everybody, you know, just, just was shocked. If we had pulled out when we started to, there'd have been nowhere that bus could have gone to escape uh, that car. And who knows what, what kind of results would have been. Uh, it, and, and I'm reminded of that. I think it was just so clear. It's one of the clearest experiences. And there's been other experiences. But that is one of the clearest experiences, I think, of God's care. Of God's protection. And probably, uh, you know, I brought nobody Hickox could probably give a bunch of illustrations tonight. And, and as much as he's been on the road. And of, of, of the, Lord's, the Lord's wonderful care. And, and I know he's told me before, you know, about, uh, uh, you know, just, just looking in the mirror for, for no specific reason and realize that there's a, there's a car, a vehicle, or somebody's getting ready to turn. And, but maybe I, maybe I'll, uh, you know, this, this, that uh, uh, awakening of the senses. Uh, who does that? Sometimes I've driven, you've probably have experienced, I've driven down the road and, you know, be kind of half awake and half asleep. I don't know, you know, kind of mentally off or something. And, and uh, you find yourself 10 or 15 miles down the road and, and you, you say, man, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, last time I remember I was, uh, I was back married and I'm old for it. <laughs> uh, you know, the Lord, isn't it wonderful the Lord looks after us? And uh, well, I don't think we have any idea of, of God's protecting care uh, when we get to heaven, I think the Lord's going to let us look back and, and, and see how His hand was upon us just step by step and, and watched over us and cared for us. The Bible said in Psalm 34, 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him and delivereth them. You said that's Old Testament. Well, let me give you a New Testament verse if I can find it here in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You say, you mean that could even happen today? Well, that's what it says in the Bible. 
uh, be not forgetful, entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unawares. And so the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. God's protection. Let me move on for the final point of this message, and that is he pleads for us. We have an attorney in heaven. The Bible said in Lamentations 3, verse 58 and 59, O Lord, thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul. Thou hast redeemed my life. O Lord, thou hast seen my wrong. Judge thou my cause. And in Isaiah 3, 13, he said, The Lord standeth up to plead. He stands up to plead for you and I. And... Uh, in the book of Joel, I want us to turn there, if we could, just for a moment. In the book of Joel, uh, chapter uh, 3, and he talks about uh, the coming of the Lord in his revelation. In Joel 3 and verse 1, page 933 uh, in the Schofield Bible, 933. Give you a moment to find it. Uh, the book of Joel, if you don't have a Schofield, it's, uh, uh, see, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. Uh, the second book after Daniel there. And verse 1, For behold, in those days and in that time, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. Now that identifies when this is going to happen. In those days, in that time, what time, what days, when I bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. And of course, uh, in uh, 48, we, uh, we've seen, I, by the way, I do, not believe, I do not believe the final regathering has taken place. That is going to happen. I think that is in process. Uh, that, that will happen. Uh, and, uh, uh, but uh, it's interesting that in 67, in the Six-Day War, they got the old city. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what's going to happen, uh, you know, to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem is going to be a burdensome stone to nations in the last days, and we see that in our day. Uh, the focus is in that area. Uh, notice what he says in verse 2, And I will also gather all nations, and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and will plead with them there for my people, and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and parted my land. Now, God's going to judge the nations. God's going to judge the United Nations that divided up the land of Israel. I, I, there was a program on uh, not long ago. This fellow was talking about, he went back in history uh, in 1917, uh, I think it was, and, and uh, how much land that was given to Israel. And uh, then how that was divided. And then in 48, when they became a nation, and they had the war, and it was partitioned again, and, and they ended up with just a small area. And they've had all these wars since. That, that's, God says, I'm going I'm to gather the nations there, and uh, I will plead with them. I will plead with, for Israel, uh, whom they have scattered among the nations, and parted my land. Whose land is it? God's land. He says, it's my land. And he gave it to the seed of Abraham. And you know, our nation would do well to, to understand that. That, uh, uh, that the land belongs to God, that God has given it to the seed of Abraham, and it does not belong to the Arabs. It belongs to Israel. And they will ultimately have it. 
But the Lord is going to plead with them. And that, there's another message. I don't have time to go into all the details. Read this chapter. And, of course, he describes the, the, the battle of Armageddon there and, and uh, the, the, uh, the uh, judgment that follows and so forth. But the Lord is going to plead uh, with, for Israel. Uh, and he pleads for you and I. Uh, again, that would be another message. And we'll not get detracted there. If I do, we'll be here another hour. Uh, in 1 John chapter 2, I want you to turn there please, 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and uh, verse, uh, verse 1 and 2. He says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. Notice that phrase, my little children. I love that phrase. You have that in, in, in the book of 1 John. My little children. Just like that little... A little baby of the subtles there. And, uh, uh, you know, they wouldn't take nothing in the world for that little, <laughs> that little girl. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Lord is illustrating that wonderful relationship that we have with Him. He calls us His little children. And nothing can warm your heart uh, like those little children. And uh, someone said they... Uh, they get on your toes when they're small, and they, they you know, they, they get on your heart when they're, when they get older. And, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, for mothers, they're always the little children. <laughs> it never changes, I don't reckon. But, my little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. God says, I don't want you to sin. But if we do sin, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have someone to plead our case. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What a sacrifice. This mercy seed offering that satisfied the righteousness of a holy God. Now, he, uh, Revelation chapter 12 tells us that uh, uh, the devil accuses us, we read about it in, in verse, uh, uh, well, let me just read in the context here, just read verse 7, Revelation 12, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, the dragon fought on his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now some believe this is past, but this is not past. This is yet future. And this is a future battle. Uh, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Notice what he says. Which accused them before our God day and night. The devil gives us a hard time. We've been seeing that in the book of Job. Uh, he accuses us, the Bible says, day and night. But you know something? We have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have someone that represents us. When the old devil accuses us, Jesus steps up and says, that's one of my little children. I bought and paid for them with the blood. Here's my blood. Here's the payment. Yes, they sin. 
they're sinners. And even though they're saved, they still fail me. But here's the offering, Father. Here's the payment. <laughs> you know what the devil has to do? I think he just has to hang his head and walk away, you know. But that doesn't deter him. <laughs> yeah, he'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> and he'll, he'll wait till tomorrow. Bible said day and night. <laughs> yeah. And while we're sleeping, he's probably accusing us before the Father. But aren't you glad we have somebody to plead our case? And, uh, you know, I, I guess we've got the best justice system in, uh, I, there is, uh, you know, as far as man's concerned. But I have, I have some real problems with our, with our system of justice. I really do. And uh, one problem I have, I mean, you know, someone could just out of the blue disaccuse me of some crime. And I've got to go hire a lawyer, you know, to represent me. I'd do nothing wrong. You know what I think? For what it's worth, probably isn't worth much, but at least it's my two cents. Uh... If, if I'm falsely accused and I'm proven to be innocent, the one that accused me ought to pay the bill. Amen. I mean, don't you think that'd be justice? Now, we got the best attorney that, that, that there ever could be, and he works, uh, he works for free, as far as we're concerned. And so he pleads their case before the Father. The devil accuses. Well, verse 11, let me read that. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And, of course, the indwells Antichrist. You can read that on chapter 13 there. And he comes down and, you know, takes, takes over the Antichrist and for three and a half years. And his time will be ended there and he'll be thrown in the bottomless pit. The devil is not in hell. He, he ought to be there. And he, he'll, he'll be there at the proper time. Uh, and the Lord's going to give him his day. But we have a wonderful Savior that pleads our case. He protects us. He pleads for us. He does all these wonderful things for us. Let's bow our heads, please.